Well, this week in our sermon, we looked at the ninth commandment. And in the sermon, as uh, you know, as we've done with a lot of these commands, we've looked at, I would say, I would call it the higher truth, uh, the higher good of the text. How do you understand uh, questions as we looked at Sunday, like the motivation for lying, which I think is an important thing to understand, um, and just the idea of truth and how good truth is, um, and ultimately, I would want my motivation for truth-telling to be a love of truth. And that was, of course, the last thing we talked about, not uh, some sort of functional good to truth-telling, but uh, more of a a worshipful view of truth-telling. I want to tell the truth because I love the truth, because God loves the truth, um, even if it's not advantageous to me. But there's a lot of practical applications for this. So, you know, I've, I've invited our old friend, the doctor... The Honorable Dr. Lou Priolo to help us practically think through these things. And Lou, I think one thing I would say just as we get started in this discussion, one of the things I appreciate about you, and hopefully we'll keep doing this, I think, you know, we're only here at the beginning of a long, long journey into the sunset, Lou, but Mm -hmm. um, you're very practical in your teaching, writing, Uh, you're good at applying these things. I guess it makes sense because that's what you do your whole life, right? You're just applying God's word to actual, real human situations. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, is that what you would say biblical counseling is? Applying God's truth to human situations. Yeah. And in some ways it's more difficult in some ways than preaching because people will stand up in the middle of the sermon and say, well, that doesn't work or I tried it that way. But with me, if I tell them to do something uh, and it doesn't work, then I've got to... In a fallen world, there's like an ideal truth and then there's like an application of that truth. And the application of that truth is sometimes a little hard to know. And sometimes there's more than one application. Sometimes there's more than one way to skin a catfish biblically. There's not only one biblical <clears throat> solution to any particular problem. In because there's cases. not just like one sin thing going on. Or, right. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, okay. So let's begin here. Uh, Lou wrote a great little book on deception. By the way, Lou, how many books have you written? I, I think it's just over 20. I got online the other day mm-hmm. and looked at some of your books. Mm-hmm. And they're more expensive online than they are here at Christ Covenant. That's right. So if you want to buy Lou's books, come by the collective and buy them here. Best so, deal in town. It's the best deal of anything in town. Braves tickets, soccer ticket. come buy Lou's books. If you want a great night, come get some good reading with Lou Priolo. But anyway, no, but literally, like, so this deception book's $3, $2. It's, uh, depending on where we get it from, it's either 250 or $3. It's amazing. So Lou wrote a great little book on deception. How often do you see that in your biblical counseling? I mean, probably like every case, not every case, but. Well, I mean, the Bible basically says that we're born liars, right? The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray from birth, speaking lies. Well, did you agree with what I said yesterday? Basically, like, why do we lie? Because we want to write our own story and not fall into God's story. Yeah, there are lots of, there are lots of motivations. That's certainly one of them. It, it seems like the greatest common denominator, at least in my experience, is fear. People lie because they're afraid of telling the truth, afraid of consequences, they're afraid of embarrassment. But I'm sure there are lots of different motivations for why people lie. Fear and pride. Right. Yeah. So what are ways, when have I lied? What are, what are types of lying? I mean, obviously there's the classic type of lying of, 
the upright line. You know, yeah. how tall are you? I'm 6'2", but I say 6'4", to impress <laughs> a girl or something. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I wrote the book, and I found uh, in the book there are like 23 different types of lies that I identified in the Bible. And then the book was published, and I found three more. Oh, man. So it, you could almost say tongue-in-cheek that the Bible is filled with lies. There are so many examples. So what are some examples that I might who, not easily see in Scripture? Um, inference. You know, you will not surely die. God knows that in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. God's got this omniscience thing going on, and he doesn't want to share it with you. Well, and, and even like uh, you will be like him knowing good and evil, in a sense, that's kind of true, right? It's a half-truth. That's right. right. Yeah. Because they were like God in the sense that they knew the difference between good and evil. But what he concealed from them was the fact that— The consequence of evil, the flavor no, of evil. Even more than that, God, didn't, God doesn't know evil experientially. He knows yeah. it from afar. When they sinned, they knew evil firsthand. So he told them a half-truth. Right. You'll be like God, kind of, sort of, but— you know, what I'm not telling you is you're going to be like and, and I think what they would have inferred from that is not a bad thing. <laughs> Obviously, it right. was a good thing. Right. You, you'll be like God. I mean, they heard that part of it. Right. Um, you'll have a greater knowledge than you have now. So, uh, okay, so inference. What else? Another point in the book I make is, is that there are basically two different ways to lie. You can falsify information or you can conceal information. Concealing is a big way that we, we lie. That's why when you're sworn in, it, it, the oath says, do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? Because you can tell the truth, but not tell all the truth. You can tell the truth and leave something out, and you can really— The whole truth. Right. You can—, can, you, can yeah. um, you can say, I went to the bank the other day and got a deposit and then went home— you went to the bank, you got a deposit, went home, but I saw Joe robbing from the bank while I was there. Right. He's not telling the whole truth. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you would not be faithful to that oath in that situation. Right. You would be breaking, you would be bearing false witness. And then there's the oldest trick in the book, the blame-shifting lie. The woman you gave me, she gave me, and I ate. Right? right, yeah, yeah. Then there's the I don't know lie. Where's your brother? I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? Exactly, yeah. right? Uh, here's one that, that is um, really important to me. I try to be very sensitive about it, but, but making promises with no intention of keeping them. Now, we make promises, and we have every intention of keeping them, and, and when we fail to keep them, even though our intentions were good, we have to go back and make it right. Lack of integrity is really right. what that is. Yeah. But when we intentionally commit to do something, knowing that we're not going to do it, that's a different kind of sin. That's, I think, a more serious sin. That's the sin of deception. That's a lying kind of a sin. So there's 22 in the book, you said? Mm-hmm. But you found three more. So mm-hmm. here's what you should do. You should buy the book, guys, for the <laughs> other 22 or the other, you know, 19 or 18 or so we haven't covered. And then if you can figure out the other three on your own, well, you give them 20 bucks? I- I'm sure there's a lot more than Lou will give you 20 bucks. All right. Well, so now that was a lie. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah. See, okay. Okay. You know what, Lou, I'm just trying to, just trying to see how good you are with all of this. Okay. Now Lou, Lou may or may not give you 20 bucks, but, uh, I'll be thankful either way. Yeah. But he'll be glad you bought the book. All right. So what, what do you do if you have lied? Well, 
uh, in many cases, I dare say in most cases, if you lie, you're going to have to go back and make it right. You know, especially if you intentionally deceived. Is someone. cheating a form of lying? Yeah, yeah, because you're you're again you're um, concealing. You're, you're keeping information from someone who has a biblical need or a biblical right to know. Like uh, the people who are grading the test should know that you're not really um, being honest. You're not right, really yeah. playing. You looked at something rules. else you shouldn't have right. or whatever, yeah. Right. Um, I think, generally speaking, when you're a liar, there are, um, there are several things, minimally, that you should do. I, I think first thing is to identify your own specific style of lying. In the book, like it, I've got 22 different kinds of lies. Oh, so. some which which types you're most prone yeah. toward? Yeah, because we don't know. Do you see that? I mean, do you think that people don't just use all 22 at random, or they're like, this person is prone toward this? Like anything, we all have our own particular, our own special, our own our own uh, uh, comfortable ways of sinning, styles of sinning. And yes, I think when it comes to lying, uh, those of us who have lied have favorite ways to lie, lies that are, that are easier to get away with than others. But probably the biggest one, the most common one, is concealing. You know, Jesus uh, didn't give everybody every bit of information. He had the 12, and he had the three, and then he had, you know, the beloved disciple. And he was more intimate with some than with the others, presumably. So not everyone has access to everything in your heart. But there are some people who have a right, if not a need, to know certain things. And when you conceal um, information that other people have a biblical need or right to know, then you probably are lying to them. I think one of the biggest ones, though, is spinning, is what I'll call like spinning a truth or spinning something. Uh, I don't know. How, what, did you, what, what do you title that in your book? Uh, putting a, uh, putting a uh, slant on it, um, I would say it's probably fabrication. Um, fabricating something or exaggeration. Yeah, exaggeration. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're spinning something to make it look this way or that better than it is. Yeah, right. And then, and then, a lot of times with spinning, there's also concealing. Or so with fabrication, there's also concealing. You you say this half of it, you don't say that half of it. I think the other thing, uh, another thing that's very important. The Bible says, "Let um, putting away falsehood. Let every man speak the truth with his neighbor." So I think it's not enough just to stop lying. You've got to make it your goal to be a teller of the truth. You've got to um, really make it your goal to, um, rather than be known as someone who lies, be known as someone who is a man or a woman of integrity and who tells the truth um, so that people believe you and trust you. And, and, and you know, to the point of Sunday, even if you are known as someone who lies, the goal is not to be known as someone who lies or tells the truth by your fellow man. I mean, that's a byproduct of being honest. But um, I would want us to be truthful because we've, we love the truth. We, 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 we desire that which God loves. But again, when a person is characterized by a t particular sin, God categorizes him by the name of the sin that's overtaken him. So while we all lie, some people are, they lie so regularly, so frequently, when God looks at them, he categorizes them as a Some of liar. you are liars, yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. So sort of a life-dominating sin. Yeah, and so freedom from that includes understanding 
you know, what types of lies you're more prone to. A commitment to be. Memorizing scripture, I'm going to think, you know, around that. Sure. Memorizing passages that talk about the sinfulness of lying and that talk about the virtue and the necessity of being. And maybe even that particular type of lying, understanding that biblically. That's right. And then seeking accountability. Yes. Another big part of it is finding someone to help you be a teller of the truth. Uh, once you commit to to doing that, undoing lies that you've or not undoing, but going back and seeking forgiveness yeah. and seeking to cover over the sins of your past. Yeah, there's a whole section in the book talking about uh, ta- that talks about the importance of clearing your conscience with God and with man. Paul said, "I exercise myself to always have a conscience that's void of offense towards God and towards." Yeah, man. the pain of going back and uh, humbling yourself, confessing and trying to make right or wrong. Is a is, deterrent. What's that? Saying? It's a deterrent to, to It's an amazing again. deterrent yeah. because it is painful. Right. And and it doesn't cheapen the grace that God gives us either. It it makes us experience, you know, I think that grace in a more rich way. Another thing I point out in the book is that we've got to be willing to earn back the trust that we lost as a result of our lying. We lie to someone, we go back and we ask their forgiveness, and if they're Christians, they're bound to forgive us biblically. They're duty bound, but they don't have to trust us. Yeah, okay. They have to hand us forgiveness on a silver platter, but the trust that we lost uh, is not an instantaneous thing. It takes time. It's on us. It's our obligation to earn back the trust that we've lost over time. It's not their obligation to hand us the trust the way they. And I think that's important. It is. Even on the recipient side, if somebody has lied to you, of course, you should forgive them mm-hmm. as you've been forgiven in Christ. Right. But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be skeptical toward them. It doesn't mean that you shouldn't be uh, leery of them until they've had time to earn back the trust. Confidence in an unfaithful man in time of trouble is like a broken foot and a tooth out of joint. You'd be foolish in some context to trust someone who's proven themselves to be unfaithful. Yeah, that's good. Okay, so here's the big question, Lou. Mm-hmm. What... Is it ever okay to tell a lie? So, you play football, right? I think it depends on how <laughs> you ask this question. Yeah, I love I love football, Lou. I don't play anymore. I I used to play football. I only play now on the beach <laughs> or with pickup games. Tor- I don't play real football. To torture your staff, I know. Oh, that's not true. The staff loved it, Lou. Lou and I played a game of football recently. Lou was locking down a receiver. We had a little collision, and uh, Lou, I'll never hear the end of it. Little? Now, that's an under-exaggeration. I'll never hear the end of it. Anyway, the point is you go to a football game or a basketball game, and, you know, you're paying money, but you know you're going to get faked out. You go to a theater, and you watch someone uh, uh, play someone that they're not. Well, that's not really... Lying. Yeah, is that even lying? No, I mean, probably not, because there's, you there's know you're being deceived. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. You know, you, basically, you're asking to be deceived. So the only real exception, you know, we talked about um, before the broadcast. We talked about the midwives. We talked about Rahab. I think in times of war, um, it it probably is not a sin to lie in certain circumstances. But that's that's really the only. Uh, notable exception. Well, I think that what the way I would say it is um, Ultimately, why do we tell the truth we we tell the truth to honor God and to love our neighbor (laughs) to love God and to love neighbor and so actually in both of those cases like the midwives in the time of Moses 
Well, they were trying to love God and to love their neighbor. Neighbor, not the enemy of God, Egyptian, but God's covenanted people. So there's a higher principle. As well. Same thing with Rahab. She actually, and Rahab obviously became a part of the people. Right. She became a part of the people of God. Right. So there's a higher principle. And I think that's an important thing to understand in terms of like applying the Bible. This now we'll get into Lou Priolo's head here of what he tries to do. Is divorce God's design? No. Right. However, there are biblical right. exceptions right. for divorce, right. abandonment, sexual unfaithfulness. Yeah. Um, so there's the rule and there's the exception to the rule. Right. But the exception occurs because of a sin. It occurs because evil exists in the world. Right. 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 Um, and now you can take that too far. Sure. Right. You, you justify any sin. You can. But I would just say. Which is, which is why we have to stay within the parameters of Scripture. The, pr the, the principle, though, like if you're looking for a big principle, am I loving God and am I loving neighbor in this? Right. And I think Rahab and the midwife could say yes to yeah, that right. question. All right, last, uh, last thing to talk about. This is an interesting one, too. Our very own Chaps, a.k.a. Cynthia Chapa, asked this question. Courtroom, bear false witness. Do we underemphasize the, like, jurisdiction legislative justice side of this command uh or is it or is it mostly about interaction there's definitely a courtroom side of it i think it's it's a serious thing in biblical times if you were found guilty of perjury whatever the crime was that the that the defendant was accused of you'd have to take the consequence yeah it's a very very serious thing so, uh, you know, Romans 13 says we obey the, the powers that be. There's a lot in the Old Testament um, written about um, justice. And well, what was God trying to do in the Old Testament? I mean, we talked about this on Sunday. He's creating a covenanted people that reflects his character and that's goodness. Right. That's right. And so, and he, and he's without God justice. He cannot lie. Yeah, right? without justice. Yeah, it's reflecting him, right? Packers is the truth-telling God who cannot lie. So without justice, um, then it obviously we don't have a society that's reflective of the new heavens, new earth, or reflective of what God's covenant to people would look like. Yeah, and, and, the, more, and the more society gets away from Scripture and gets away from God, I think we're going to see more people playing fast and loose with the truth and well, fast and loose with justice. Why wouldn't you? What? How can you have justice if there's no ultimate justice? I don't know. I don't think you can. Especially if you don't trust the justice system. But as a Christian, like, we may say, like, I don't really trust the justice system. It's imperfect. And obviously our justice system is imperfect. It's sure. good. It's one of the best that the world's ever seen. Right. But it's imperfect. Um, but we still, as Christians, put our hand on the Bible and swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, because we trust in God. Every man seeks the ruler's favor but every man's justice comes from the Lord. We really need to look more to God than to people, even um, judges and magistrates for justice, because ultimately he's the one in his time that will make all right wrong. If there is no all God, wrong, right. if there is no God, everything is permissible. Right. But if there is a God, then we can trust that every wrong, you know, that ultimately, every sad thing will come untrue. Every, every bad thing will come undone. In his time. God will make all things right. That's right. Well, Lou, these are always helpful. Do you like doing this? I do. I do too. Why don't we do it every Monday? 
All right, maybe we'll see you next week. We're talking about covetousness next week, Lou. What do you have to say about that? I have a book. All right, well, we'll be back next week. For Lou Priolo, I'm Jason Dees. Thanks for listening.